0: The Sunday Review with Tim Graham.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. Coming up, TV vet Rory Cowlin tells us how we can make travel easier for our pets this Christmas. We also hear how the festive season is a time when many start thinking about setting up businesses and how our post offices could be the next to be affected by the cost of living crisis. Plus, Shami Jerome from the East Grinstead Art Society is here to chat to me about their Christmas art exhibition. Paul Tolmey finds out more about a West Sussex-based charity who are on a mission to eliminate hunger and reduce food waste, and he also chats to St Catherine's Hospice about their upcoming Tree of Light Remembrance services. Meanwhile, Carrie Overton discovers what's involved in Reiki and reflexology from holistic therapist Jackie Boyce, all in the latest edition of the Sunday Review. Almost two-thirds of pet owners would rather stay at home this Christmas than leave their four-legged friends behind. That's according to new research out this week. The findings suggest a whopping 12 million pets will be embarking on festive travels this year. Here to tell us how one rail company is making a difference for their pet passengers is TV vet Rory Cowlam. Rory, thanks for joining us. Tell us how GWR will be making travel easier for our furry friends this Christmas
2: morning tim um yeah so it's if, if anyone has ever taken their pet on the train it is it couldn't be simpler and actually gwr are are pet friendly dog friendly cat friendly and um, and the lovely thing they've done is they've, they've paired up with lily's kitchen uh who are a leading dog and cat food brand um and they have um firstly they have put together a map of uh of, of, of sort of pet friendly stations where you can go and Take your dog for a little pee and a poo on your way um, and also we're putting out advice um sort of to, to pet owners because there are going to be so many uh traveling 12 up to 12 million pets are going to be on the move this festive season so um we, we're putting out our top tips as to as to how uh how to keep your pets safe and uh and comfortable on that journey as well
1: now sadly not everyone's going to be able to make use of those services so can you share with us some of those practical tips that will make journeys with our pets easier this festive season? Absolutely. It's, a, it's applicable, however you're getting there, whether you're
2: walking, running, truck, training, caring, flying, on horseback, however it is. Um, so we, we put together P-E-T-S, easy to remember, spells pets if you haven't got that. Um, so P is, is for planning and provisions. So, of course, you know, before you set off, you always plan to go for a wee yourself and make sure you've got everything the same applies for your pets so uh, plan ahead make sure you you take them for maybe like a, a, a longer walk the day before or morning of your journey to try and tire them out a little bit if you're taking a dog um and and sort of look ahead as to where you're going the journey the possible time whether you need to stop all those sorts of things um e is for entertainment so um on a long journey, of course, just like your kids, <laughs> they might get a bit bored. So take a toy, take a chew, um, whatever it is that will keep your dog or cat entertained, um, take it with you. And, and a nice cozy blanket as well to keep them comfortable. Um, and then moving on to tea. And to be honest, this is this is the, the key one for me, is training and trial runs. Trial runs are so important. If you don't know how your dog or your cat will respond to a longer journey in the car or, or on the train or however it is you're going, um, make sure you, you try that in the weeks leading up to, i.e. now. So, uh, so work out, are they going to be nice and relaxed, or do I need to do a bit of work on this before we go? And then to finish off, S is for socialise, and this this is more really important for those going on public transport, because inevitably, there will be other animals, there will be other dogs, other cats, other people, it will be quite busy, so make sure that you, this is something that your pet is comfortable with, and, and and if it's not, do do make the provisions to to make it a Uh, sort of a a decent journey for them as well as you
1: some great advice there once they're at their destination is there anything we can do to help them settle into their new surroundings yeah so that again is you know you know your pets best
2: right so i always for my dog take a blanket that i know she loves i take her bed with me even if i know i'm going to a doggy place because actually sometimes if i'm going to a friend's house and they've got a dog if she tries to steal their bed that can lead to some aggro so you know always take their bed always take their toy um, and some extra treats as well just to
1: just to help them settle and for those who perhaps aren't used to housing pets is there anything they need to be aware of anything they can do to make their homes more pet friendly
2: i think just being aware of it you know i, I think um hopefully the if, the if the owners are there they will be making those provisions for them and being aware of their own their own animals needs however you know maybe think ahead and and, and get a, get a tin of dog food in or something like that or or, or, uh, or a bed that, that, that hasn't been used before because you know if there isn't another dog to compete with absolutely a, a comfy bed in the corner will be will go down a treat I'm sure.
1: Now you've covered quite a lot there is there anywhere people can go to either get more tips and advice or maybe just refresh themselves on some of the topics you've talked about today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I said,
2: this is being put up by, by Lily's Kitchen
1: and GWR. So um if you if you search for, for Lily's
2: Kitchen or, or GWR, it's all on the website. Um and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll be shouting
1: it from the British tops as well. Fantastic. Rory, thanks so much for your time and sharing your advice with us today. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. For a recap on traveling with pets this Christmas, GWR have a guide on their website at GWR.com. Click on traveling with us then On Our Trains and Travelling with Animals. That's gwr.com, and then click on Travelling with Us, then On Our Trains and Travelling with Animals. We'll post a direct link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. While you're dusting off the board games this Christmas, you might be interested to know that a third of UK adults believe games like Monopoly help children build business skills. One in ten even say the person they'd most likely turn to for business or career advice is the one who excels at these games. Andy Fishburne is MD at Virgin Startup, the organisation behind this latest research, and is here to tell us more. Andy, welcome to the show. What else did the research tell you?
3: Uh, Morning, Tim. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah so as you said the the research showed that a third of adults um, believe the children who are good at board games um, are likely to make good entrepreneurs and Monopoly in particular was one of those games that were cited and I think it's really interesting if you reflect on it because actually sat around a board game at Christmas with your friends and family is just a really nice thing to do it's a really fun thing to do but actually subconsciously you can also be picking up kind of business skills as well so if you think of Monopoly It's the strategy about how do you approach it, how do you win, how do you invest money, how do you grow your assets, um, how do you decide kind of when to spend and and when not to spend. And a lot of that, um, when it comes to starting a business, is very applicable. Um, So I think it it can be a really kind of interesting grounding uh, for people in later life.
1: Now, I gather the research showed that the festive period is a key time when people think about starting a new business. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think...
3: You know, for a lot of people, you, you come to the end of a year and you kind of reflect on kind of what you've achieved, how the year has gone, and you start to look ahead to the to the New Year. And people, you know, typically kind of think about New Year's resolutions. They've got a little bit of time between Christmas and the New Year to really think about some of those kind of big things. And for a lot of people, they have kind of a desire and a motivation to want to start a business. And one of the things that the research showed was that kind of one in four adults actually plan to launch a business in 2023. And almost half of young adults, so those between 18 and 24, plan to do so next year. So there's a really strong entrepreneurial appetite for sure. And I think when you have that kind of time away from work, away from the day to day, um, a lot of people channel that energy into kind of planning to, to start the business. And indeed, the research showed that actually a third of people will actually use their time over the festive period to work on their business idea.
1: So tell us a little more about who Virgin Startup are and how you can help in this area. So
3: we're a not-for-profit organisation founded back in 2013, and we exist to help people in the UK to start and scale early-stage businesses. So we provide business advice, we provide access to funding, um, so between £500 and £25,000 to help people get up and running, and we run one of the UK's largest entrepreneurial mentoring programmes. And we're all about helping people start and scale better businesses ultimately tim and one of the things that we see at the the start of the year is this kind of surge of people wanting to start businesses and indeed the the 6th of january looking back kind of historically is the day when we have the most people approaching us um, looking for business advice so one of the things that we've decided to do this year to help those people that are actually working on businesses over christmas is to launch something that we're calling founder friday So on the 6th of January next year, we'll be opening up a business advice helpline that's completely free of charge, where people can pre-book time with an experienced business advisor or a kind of seasoned entrepreneur to get advice on their business, their idea, to ask any questions, um, to let us help with any challenges they might have, to really kind of help them on that journey.
1: That sounds great. How can people register for one of these free sessions? So
3: the best thing to do is to head across to our website, so virginstartup.org forward slash founder dash friday and on there you'll find a whole host of tools and resources um, including our free business plan template the people can start to work through they can use that themselves over christmas and then if they have got any questions in the new year they'll be able to um, book a session with a business advisor and you can actually start booking those sessions from today so if you want to get a head start if you want to get time in the diary for early in the new year then head across to that website so virginstartup.org forward slash dash Friday and everything that you need will be on there.
1: And if people miss out on founder Friday, for whatever reason, is there any way they can go to get more information and advice in general?
3: Absolutely. So if people just head across to our website, so the main website is virginstartup.org on there, you can apply for business advice for funding. Um, we run a whole host of events and masterclasses to help founders build the skills they need to build better businesses. Um, And indeed, we've got an event coming up in January called How to Start a Business in 2023, uh, where we'll have a panel of entrepreneurs and people that have launched businesses over the last couple of years. So they're talking from experience, but very recent and relevant experience. So kind of sharing their advice and guidance and really kind of actionable tips in terms of kind of what worked for them and what
1: might work for other people now as well. So between now and then, have you got any top tips for those thinking about starting a new business? What sort of things should they be considering?
3: Yeah, I would say that the thing for me, so many people have an idea to want to start a business, but don't see it through. And I think you don't necessarily need to see a business as being this really big thing. You don't need to build a big business overnight. Indeed, you don't need to build a big business. You can build a business that works for you. But the best way to start anything is just to start. And I would encourage people, if they've got an idea, to start putting something out there. You can start to kind of build websites, build social media um, profiles now with little to no cost. Um, you can start to talk to people. You can test your idea. You can get feedback on things um, without having to commit to something wholeheartedly. So taking those small steps, working out what you know works and what doesn't, um, and kind of learning those lessons, I think, is the best way to start something in the new
1: year. Fantastic. Andy, thanks so much for your time today and for sharing your advice with us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Tim. For more information on Founder Friday and how to book a free session, visit virginstartup.org forward slash founder Friday. That's virginstartup.org forward slash founder hyphen Friday. The website also has more general information on starting a new business and details on the help available. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. As cost of living pressures worsen, thousands of post offices are at risk of closing if the government doesn't extend its support on energy bills beyond the end of March next year. According to the Post Office, this not only threatens an essential part of British life and its communities, but the vital services that people and businesses rely on, including sending mail and parcels, making deposits and withdrawing cash, paying a bill and topping up gas and electricity metres. New research from London Economics reveals the Post Office and its 11,500 branches deliver nearly five billion pounds to the UK economy every year. But with energy bills for the average Post Office rising by nearly 250% next year, many Post Offices are on the brink. Our reporter Julian Fisher has more.
4: Here to tell us what help the Post Office Network needs is Elliot Jacobs, a Postmaster himself and a non-executive director from the Post Office. Elliot, why is the post office network so important to the British people and its economy? Post offices are part of the fabric of every community. They're vital for generations, young and old, and our 11,500 branches are what keep people and businesses connected. Post office branches support around 50,000 full-time jobs across the UK, and these people do an incredible job. We stayed open in the pandemic so that customers could access their essential services, whether it was sending a gift parcel or paying their energy bills or banking some money. And now we're helping millions of people access government support to help them deal with their bills again, and in particular, the elderly and the vulnerable. Together, these branches contribute about £5 billion a year to the UK economy. But all of that is at risk because of this cost of living crisis. Almost all of the branches are run independently by private entrepreneurs and they've got soaring energy bills. So why are many post offices at risk from closing? You mentioned energy bills there. What are the challenges that they face? It's more than energy, but right now energy is the big one that's facing us. And as energy costs soar, we have no way to not switch the lights on, have our computers working and operate those branches to keep those central services at the heart of people's communities. And the scale of the problem is profound. A typical post office will see their energy prices probably go up by six to £8,000 a branch. What is the energy bill release scheme then? It's money that the government are giving to protect the cost of energy bills in businesses across the UK. But the scheme ends in its current form at the end of March 2023. And the government hasn't really decided how it's going to work beyond that date. And we're expecting a decision at the end of the month. But without the post office being part of that essential list of companies that get ongoing support, we really face a critical moment in the history of the post office. So, Elliot, in your opinion, what needs to be done to help stop the threat of local post offices from closing? Well, we're urging the government not to forget the vital role that post offices and their teams play and extend the energy bill relief scheme beyond the end of March 2023. And if they don't, don't be under any illusion. Branches will close. This not only threatens an essential part of British life, it would leave a dent in the UK economy. And these communities will not recover from this sort of impact.
1: Elliot Jacobs from the Post Office there telling us why thousands of branches are at risk of closing if the government doesn't extend its support on energy bills beyond the end of March next year. On his mid-morning show this week, Paul Tolmie spoke to Sarah Morrison at UK Harvest, a charity who are on a mission to eliminate hunger and reduce food waste by redistributing surplus food and running education programmes.
5: So we were set up in 2017. We're based down in Chichester, and our mission is to ensure that any surplus edible food that might be excess, that gets collected by us, does not go to waste and is used by those who need it most. So over COVID, we grew massively. And so now we rescue food from right across the supply chain. We work mainly at industry level. So we work with growers, producers, farmers, manufacturers, wholesalers, anyone in the food business um, who will kindly donate their surplus. Because sometimes that happens just from being, I don't know, outsized, wonky, could be a glut at the end of the season. Um, And we even collect the pallet from innocent smoothies right out in Bristol every week. So we collect food from everywhere. Yeah. But 80% of what we rescue is largely perishable, so we have to act quite quickly, um, and we use our network of um, refrigerated vans to bring it back to our warehouse in Chichester, sort it all out, and then redistribute this amazing nutritious food out to a network of charities, just like you say, so homeless refuges, domestic abuse shelters, and our own network of um, community food hubs, which we hopefully can talk about in a minute.
0: Absolutely, and it, it just—it seems it's a shame that so many of these different organisations that there's just so much of it just goes to waste and it, it may as well go into somebody else's tummy.
5: Absolutely, but it's it's never deliberate. Um, no, things happen not. at that sort of scale. But I think what's amazing is people often think food waste is just uh, you know one man killed potato. You wouldn't believe some of the food we collect. Mm. You know some of it's literally direct from the farm. And at the moment we've got a whole pallet full of strawberries, which have all been grown locally. But at the end of the season, it's just the glut that's left over. So it's
0: fantastic. Uh, of course, there, there's been the recent changes to um, to sell by dates and things because I'm probably guilty of if it's not if, if <laughs> the date that's on it's gone sort of one day over, I think, oh, no, I can't eat that. But I probably can.
5: Oh, Paul, no, 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 absolutely. If it's a best before date, that is literally a guide to quality. There's absolutely no reason on safety that you can't eat that food. And there has, as you're right, there's been a lot of changes recently. There's been some really good campaigning. And I'm really pleased to say that a lot of the supermarkets are adopting this new protocol. So they're getting rid of um, sort of best before dates, particularly on fresh stuff. I think we all know enough to say whether an apple is safe to eat. We don't need a label on it. Um, So that's really been cut down. And as a result, it's cutting down on the the waste that happens at supermarkets, but also, as you say, in our fridges at home. Mm. Um, We should really be using our eyes, our sense of smell, our taste to make that judgment. Um, And we're working really closely, obviously, with West Sussex at the moment. And we know that so much gets thrown away at that sort of Home level, so we really want to make sure that we can cut waste wherever we can. So remember, you could ignore the best before date, Paul, but you oh, only ever right. need to look at the use by. That does uh, that is there for safety and particularly on fresh meat. But again, you know, even if the use by date is coming up on a say a chicken breast or something. You can still put it in the freezer right up until that use-by date, and it buys you some time until you're ready to use it and defrost it later.
0: All right, then I'll have to remember that. I'll um, so t- <laughs> tell us. To, tell us. I'll put. I'll put the. I'll. Put, I'll put a copy of this interview every time I open the fridge. It'll just play. And <laughs> there we
5: go. Right. Um, remember me. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes.
0: Uh, so um, tell us about these um, community food hubs that you you guys are uh, running as well, and you've got some cook-alongs as yes. well. I think.
5: Oh, we've got lots going on, yes. We're running a community food hub in Broadfield, just to the south of Crawley, so really local to your area. Um, and this one we've partnered with West Sussex County Council. The one in Broadfield is at the community, uh, Broadfield Community Centre there. And it happens on the third Wednesday of every month uh, between 10 and 11 a.m., It's amazing. UK Harvest arrived with our van literally bursting full of this fantastic, fresh, rescued food. And we set it all out a bit like a farmer's market on some long tables. There's no referral needed. We can invite anyone down to come with their own bag and select uh, the food that they want to feed that family that week. And all we do is we ask for a suggested, and it is very much suggested, donation of, say, £3.50, which helps obviously contribute towards the cost of running our van and delivering all of the lovely fresh produce. Mm. And you're right, the next one we're doing is on Wednesday, the 21st of December, up at Broadfield. And this is going to be followed along with a a live cook-along session afterwards. So we're going to show you how you can use some of those Christmas leftovers. I think we all know that everyone overbuys, overeats and has a bit more leftovers than normal at Christmas. So this uh, cook-along is free to join. It's at the Broadfield Community Centre. It happens straight after the food hub ends. And um, you can stay with warm coffee and come and watch us cook up some festive fry-ups. We'll have lots of tips and recipes and ideas there.
0: Sounds great. But we've
5: it? also, so our community food hubs are running actually across West Sussex. So it's not just Broadfield. And I'd love it if you could put the details of it, um, of the venues and times um, on your website. But we, if you click on UK Harvest and go on our community tab, there's a list under Fed and Nourished of all our community food hubs there. Um, but we've been lucky enough to partner with West Sussex Waste Prevention Team for this one in important in Broadfield but we're running ones in Pogner and it's Southwick with them and it's just such a great project. We can raise awareness around food waste, we can break down the barriers of accessing that food that would have otherwise got wasted And I just think it's a really, really tangible way um, for us to all address the cost of living pressures at the moment with rising food prices. It makes it really, really affordable for people to eat well at the moment.
0: Definitely. Because, I mean, with Christmas right on top of us, and it's probably the optimum time for food waste if there ever was one, isn't there?
5: Oh, absolutely. I know. I think everyone's guilty of it. We get overexcited, but we just need to remember that <laughs> um, we want no one to go hungry this winter. And the more tips that everyone can adopt in terms of storing the food, using up those leftovers, will make sure that nothing does go to
0: waste. All right. Well, um, how can people um, get involved? Because, I mean, you said you had drivers, so presumably can people maybe get involved on that on that side as well?
5: Absolutely. There's lots of ways of getting involved. Um, our drivers are actually part of the key staff because they're out every day. Mm. Even they kick off early in the morning till late. So I'm afraid those are, that's part of the team here. But there's lots of other ways to get involved. And there's even a Get Involved tab on our website. So we've got our Christmas campaign running at the moment. Um, and we've been lucky enough to qualify for some match funding for that. So every you know, pound that gets donated... Will be matched and effectively doubled um, to keep our vans on the road this winter, and we can keep rescuing that way. So that would be amazing if people can support that. Or if um, you're a food business, say you can there's a give food, donate food on the website. We can't accept food sadly from individuals, but um, if we're doing it at a traceable sort of food businesses, then absolutely, we'd love to be able to um, come and collect that and share that through our community food hub. Or, as you say, please get involved on a volunteer level. Mm -hmm. There's a donate time button on there. And we honestly couldn't run UK Harvest without our brilliant, brilliant, loyal volunteers. So there's lots of opportunities to get involved there. You can come and help um, serve the food at one of our food hubs. There's um, repacking. Sometimes we get huge, like, volume items that need to be, like, massive sacks of flour and we need to bag those up into smaller um, quantities so again if you if you click the donate time button on our website you can register to be a volunteer and then we can contact you with opportunities on there
1: sarah morrison talking there to paul Tolmie. the next uk harvest community food hub near us is on wednesday the 21st of december from 10am until 11am at the broadfield community center in crawley it'll be followed by a festive fry-up cook-along If you can't make the date, UK Harvest will also be running an online cook-along tomorrow. That's Monday the 12th of December. For more details on all those events and how you could volunteer your time if you're interested, visit ukharvest.org.uk. That's ukharvest.org.uk. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On a Wellbeing Weekly show this week, Carrie Overton found out more about Reiki and reflexology from holistic therapist Jackie Boyce.
6: I've been doing this for about 25 years now, and uh, my mum and dad were both very, very poorly uh, for many years. And they were in one year at Christmas, we were in the, they were in the same hospital but in different places. One was terminal, and one was very poorly. And I walked into my mum, and she just seemed so alive. Uh, and she said, "I've just had reflexology." I didn't really know too much about it then. Mm. And she said it was so nice not to be prodded and poked in the nicest way possible. And she just looked so alive and quite calm. Wow. And I thought, wow, I hadn't. I had heard of it, but I didn't know really what it's about. Mm. As a lot of people don't. And then um, in the afternoon, I went and saw my dad, and uh, he couldn't. Do anything. He, was, he had a major stroke and ended up with not a lot of use. But uh, I walked into a lady and he Reiki was being used on him. And the first time his eyes were bright. It just—I can't explain it, but it was amazing how he didn't shout out in pain for that hour. He was totally calm, and I just thought, "This is what, I got quick yeah. this is what I've got to do." And both both of them just seemed so much better afterwards.
7: Gosh. But, so you really saw that impact firsthand? I did,
6: yes. It was amazing, yeah. Different and treatments, reflexology uh, for my mum and Reiki for my dad. Because he couldn't speak, it was good that it was just non-invasive um, touching and yeah. it, uh, he didn't shout out in pain, just for an hour. It was oh. the only hour we had in peace. So it was
7: and so how how did you start training?
6: I started to look around and... Um, It's the school of Maureen Burgess at the Queen Victoria Hospital and I trained for a year and a half and it was intensive training and the exam, uh, you do a practice exam, of reflexology, a mock and then a proper exam treating different people. You had to do 12 case studies, which was a lot, Mm. six treatments each person and uh, you had mock exams during the year and then you had to actually do a theory of anatomy and physiology
7: So it's really in-depth course. It was, very.
6: But I like the anatomy and the physiology of it. And reflexology is really about them too and and how the body works and how you can help.
7: So for anybody listening who, well, I have to confess, Jackie, like me, I don't really... I I think I think that reflexology is something to do with feet. But that's 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 (laughs) about as far (laughs) as my knowledge of reflexology goes. So could you explain... First of all, what, what is reflexology? Okay. It's quite hard to
6: explain you know, in a little bit of time, but it's, it's basically like it is on your feet. Right. Uh, it's non-invasive. In other words, you've only got, I've only got to see your feet and your calf muscles, so I work on them a little bit. Um, it's basically like acupuncture or acupressure. Uh, there's points on the feet that reflect back to the, to the zones in the body. Uh, You've got 26 bones in your feet. but If you think of your spine as well, you've got 33 vertebrae, and you've got 31 spinal nerves going down from the spine into your legs and your feet. And that's what you're working on. Uh, You work on zones on the feet and every organ shows on the left or the right foot. Right. Obviously, you've got one spine, so it's on both feet. But if Mm -hmm. you've got uh, the heart, say, is on one foot, that sort of thing. And you're basically like a pressure with your hand, or I use a, a special tool as well. Mm. And you press on the certain zones of the feet, and they stimulate uh, parts of the body. It can reduce your stress and tensions. Good, very good for headaches. It eliminates toxins from the body. It improves your circulation. Mm. It helps to clear the liver of toxins. It does flush you out. Often mm. people have to go to the toilet quite quickly after. Mm. Uh, it reduces headaches. And it improves your nerve functions. There are some contraindications contra- uh, like epilepsy or your first trimester of pregnancy. Right. Because you make the blood go quicker, the reflexologist would make your blood go quicker. So that's why you can't treat them two conditions. You can treat, uh, I do pre- pregnancy reflexology, but only after the sort of second and a half trimester, right. um, because that's what it does, it encourages your blood flow more. Um, I've had a good success rate mm. with it mm. um, but it's just fascinating how it it can improve you how you feel and you've got two adrenal glands one sits on each of the liver for example and there's a point on both feet which you press and if that person's poorly it can hurt like right um, and the other day I was working on some or yesterday and that uh, she was not quite herself and you can eliminate things. We're not allowed to diagnose, but we can suggest right. and help. And, you know, I'm a good support person as well. Mm. And often it can be that they're anxious as well.
7: What sort of conditions do people mainly go to a reflexologist for?
6: Usually a certain illness, mm. I would say. I've got uh, different heart, uh issues, a lot of anxiety. Right. And I'd say love with depression, perhaps since the COVID. Mm. And it's nice that people are coming and not perhaps getting prescription pills. Mm. There's nothing wrong with them, but it's nice that you can look elsewhere. Mm. And I do think I'm, I'm quite a good, good listener. Mm. And uh, there's, there's just everything. So
7: just by pressing, d- pressing on yes. people's feet, it can release these yes. sort of other parts of the body. that. That is amazing. So I have two questions. Number one is... (laughs) When you're booking in. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) I probably will actually. But my question was, what if, it's probably a silly question, what if people have really sensitive and ticklish feet? Because a lot of people do. Yes, they
6: do. Well, both my girls will not let me touch their feet because they're ticklish. But people often say, oh, I've got ticklish feet. But Mm. it's a certain um, touch. And it's a heavier touch. It's not flattery. Okay. But even if... But I do have people that are, it's just different. Yes. I just, ooh, that wasn't like what I thought it was Okay, I suppose
7: that firmer touch. And it's that, a and firmer touch, and
6: I use a tool as well, yeah. an Indian, because it sort of derives from that. So right. uh, I use an Indian little tool to really get into certain points where that person needs it. It's mm. all sorts of health. There's nothing you can't do except them to chondra indications, really.
7: So if there's so much that is affected by our feet, from touching bits of our feet, yeah. Do your do your again, this might be a really silly question, no, right. do your shoes make a difference? Yes, they do. You need to wear good
6: shoes. I mean, plantar fasciitis comes in a yes. lot. yeah. And that's because they're not wearing, as you get older, your foot does, can, not always, can go flatter. So you really need support. Uh, yes, you shouldn't wear one pair, you should have a pair of trainers for running, trainers for perhaps for indoors if they're plimsoll trainers. Uh, walking boots you should always change your shoes very often Mm. and and if it's money just change just don't have one pair of shoes a lot of men that's perhaps the wrong thing to say but a lot of men don't change their working shoes Mm. like my other half doesn't Mm. but he does now uh, because it's much better for your body not to be on always one pair of shoes but But they need support
7: so presumably then the different shoes support your different parts of your feet and they're in contact with different parts of your feet so that has that impact
6: Yes, but not on the reflexology so much. But okay. I would, if that person's really got more like a flat foot or uh, something structurally wrong, yeah. I would say the, the different shoes. But I do say if they've got plantar fasciitis, mm. keep changing their shoes. Because right. your feet get comfortable in one pair of shoes yeah. and they soften up and your body gradually get older or heavier or lighter or whatever, which way it changes. Well, I'm
7: hearing the message, <laughs> buy more shoes. <laughs> So I'm all in favour of that, so that's perfect. So
6: what about Reiki? It's mindfulness and Reiki I do. Uh, You would lay on a couch, and again, it's non-invasive because you just lay on the couch, fully clothed, and you can have a blanket on if you want to. Reiki and mindfulness both reduce anxiety and stress and fatigue, you know, tiredness, fatigue, and depression. Uh, Reiki is quite hard to describe, but it does promote healing from, your, from from yourself in a way because stress can bring on illness so before you get really stressed and then the cycle goes into the illness of different various conditions you can have you need to get your body really relaxed and reiki is a form of relaxing your body and I use um, chakra stones on your body or if that person doesn't want it on their body I put it on the side of them on the couch and then you have a to certain stones that mean things, which I'm not going to say because people mm. have to come and have a try. Oh, OK. Uh, they go in your hands. And uh, I do some sort of, we talk about the golden light and you just have to scan your own body so your own body relaxes completely. Mm. And I either touch part of your body or I hover over it, whatever that person. And it's just about energy and that person to sort of really, really go in deep relaxation. And then after that, I start to go into the mindfulness. The first session is Reiki, uh, and then the second one is mindfulness, which is similar. And uh, I do a a meditation with you, you, whoever it is, eyes closed, nice and relaxed with candles and music going. Mm -hmm. But I do a, a, a meditation for you to get rid of all your anxieties or help you get rid of your anxieties. And I do a couple of meditation stories. So hopefully when you come out of it and you go back to your daily life, remember what I've said and you put things away and you can't change. Uh, Reiki really is about just for today, that you you won't worry for just for the day. Mm. Uh, You're grateful, very sort of basic good things about yourself. There is a, I call it a negative imp that constantly chatters in your mind Mm. and, you know, like, Jackie, don't, don't do the radio show because you're a bag of nerves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that negative imp is often in your head mm. and you need to recognise that it's, it is a negative imp. Mm. It can be a monkey whatever you want to mm. call it. They used to say a monkey, but it's a negative imp now. Um, that often comes into each our own minds when we doubt ourselves. Mm. And we have to stop that chattering in your head in that session so you can totally relax and focus on how you can bring yourself back to your body being balanced, uh, and Mindfulness is a good way of adjusting yourself. Think, yeah, no more worrying about whatever the situation is. Some people get upset after, mm. some people are blown away, or, or some people just feel a lot better. But it's just about going deep into realization, coming out of it, being positive, and really learning to accept that um, this sort of inner conscience um, does tell you to stop worrying about things and it teaches you to try and helps to teach you to ignore this negative chatter Mm -hmm. that we all have, we all self-doubt.
7: What do you think is important about mindfulness, especially in this day and age?
6: I think well, a new saying is um, self-care isn't selfish. Mm. Even just listen to senses, just to listen to your own heartbeat Mm. going and my voice uh, talking about uh, something that you can focus on. It's just nice for yourself to have time out because everyone's busy mm. in life. Whatever. Even if you don't work, if people work, even if people don't work, their life's still busy and they need to take time out. Mm. But Reiki is good because it makes you grateful for who you are, mm. what you are. And, you know, if people are poorly or whatever condition they have, they accept it and it's just a nice way of you come out feeling quite much more positive and you can do things.
1: Jackie Boyce chatting there to Carrie Overton. For more information on Reiki and Reflexology, you can visit facebook.com forward slash Jackie's Holistic Therapies EG. That's facebook.com forward slash Jackie's Holistic Therapies EG. We'll post a direct link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Earlier this week, Paul Tolmey spoke to Olivia Mayhew from St Catherine's Hospice about the Tree of Light service that's taking place later today.
8: Tree of Light is really just an opportunity for our hospice community to come together to reflect and to remember and to celebrate the lives of uh, loved ones who are sadly no longer with us um, over the Christmas period. As we do understand, this can be a difficult time if you are bereaved. Um, And the service is non-religious and it will include readings, some music... The opportunity for some quiet reflection and the opportunity to view our book of remembrance and hang a dedication star in memory of a loved one
0: mm. been on, it's been on uh, online for the last two years but it's just not quite the same as in person is it
8: absolutely we are so pleased to be um, bringing it back in person this year and we hope that people will find that sort of particularly special after years of like you say having to sort of go online and um, we're really looking forward to the opportunity to actually be able to gather in person again um, and not only that but we are um, extending our reach as well which we're excited about as we've uh, we've got a service in west Sussex and a service in east surrey this year this weekend, we've got our Coxhorn service, which is at the Copthorne-Essingham Park Hotel, and that's, um, yeah, this Sunday at 4 p.m. And then, new for this year, we're introducing a, a service in Surrey, which um, is going to be at Oxford School in the main hall, and that one's on Thursday the 15th at 7 p.m. Um, we do understand um, that... Even though things are much more back to normal now, um, some people still do prefer online for whatever reason, and it works still does work better for them. Um, so for those who would prefer that, we are going to be recording the Copshorn service, so that's the service this Sunday, and um, we will upload that for, uh, to our website for those who would prefer to watch online
0: all right No, that's a great idea giving people the option if they if they're not quite they're still not quite happy to be there uh, in person um you, you were just saying about how um, christmas is is a, is, a, is always a tough time if you if you've been bereaved but it's it's strange isn't it that every every time you have the that you, you have a bereavement and then a significant period comes on like that like christmas or that person's birthday it's always it's always, it's nice to commemorate their their um their passing isn't it with the um with the, with the service and just mark it in a nice positive and and um community way
8: yeah and we we as i mentioned you know we understand that christmas can be particularly difficult if you are bereaved obviously mm. it's important to recognise that grief is a very individual journey and people will experience things differently but on the whole we absolutely realise that feelings of grief can certainly intensify over christmas you know it's only natural to missed your loved one a bit more you know Mm. that bit extra at this time of year when others are so sort of um feeling so happy and festive and you know perhaps you had certain routines or traditions with your loved one or perhaps you're sad because you see a present that you would like to get them but you can't or simply you know the, their presence is going to be missed so much on the actual day and that's why we feel that these services of uh, tree of light is so important to um like you say c- sort of commemorate together and have that shared experience um with others who are experiencing similar feelings at this time of year
0: mm. and and people can um, of course um, dedicate in the uh, in the usual way um they can um, i think they're hang t- hang stars on the tree can't they
8: that's right yet. So at the services we will have our christmas trees where you can hang a dedication star in a memory of a, um, in memory of the loved one so you can write their name and a little message and hang that dedication star on the tree. Um, we will also have our book of remembrance which um, has the names of loved ones no longer with us um, for people to view on the night and that also will be going online as uh, for people to view the book of remembrance online as well.
0: I think you've got some other services going on across the uh, across the area as well haven't you?
8: Yes, yeah, so we do actually have um, a number of church services taking place. So these are hosted um, independently by local churches, but they are Tree of Light services in aid of St. And um, We have had a few this Sunday just gone, but if anyone um, would still like to attend um, a church service, this Sunday there are actually two taking place. Um, so we have Trinity United Reformed Church in Billingshurst. They have a sun- uh, They have a service this Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, and Holy Trinity Church and Trafalgar trafalgar road baptist church um are hosting a joint service uh, and so that's going to be held at holy trinity church in horsham also and that one is at 6 p.m but those details are also all on our website
0: so what what will the what else will the hospice be doing this around this sort of this period
8: so we've got some christmas wrapping going on we've got um some uh, bucket collections we've got um some choirs out in the community doing performances with mm. the bucket collection. So yeah, we de- certainly it's certainly a busy time of year for us, and and we've got a lot going on. And like I say, we're just so pleased that we can be doing all of that again this year after the past two years, which just you know haven't been quite the same.
0: Yeah, because I mean I mean all, I mean I mean a lot of charities have been hit, but you guys especially because I know that a lot of your events are quite sort of communal yeah
8: absolutely yeah it's exactly that it's our Mm. sense of community you know we pride ourselves on our events we love our events we love engaging with our supporters at these events um so once again we're just so happy that we can bring tree of light back in person this year um and finally get to sort of um have that reflective time together as, as part of a um you know a shared community like you say
0: yeah, so um, people can just, uh, there's no need to book. People can just turn up at the Copthorne um, Econom on, on, on Sunday afternoon.
8: Oh, no, I am going to slightly correct you there. Oh, okay. So no. um, we do have Please a sign-up do. process. That's, that's all right. Um, so people can sign up online, um, and the URL for that is www.stch.org.uk. Slash tree of Light hyphen twenty two, or they can call our fundraising team to register on oh one two nine three four four seven three six one, and so that would be to register a space. And obviously, you can register for more than just yourself as, as well. You can sort of bring a group with you. Um, although I, I must say at this point that any names that we receive um, when people are registering at this point for the Book of Remembrance will be added in the new year now.
0: Okay, that's fine. And then the service is available online from Friday. Um,
8: so the first service, the cop one, as I say, that's taking place this Sunday, um, and that service will be recorded and it will be uploaded to our website um, by the end of the
0: following week. Okay, that's great. So um, so plenty of opportunity if you can't get along for whatever reason. Uh, Absolutely, so uh, yeah. do that. So that's great. And um, uh, so, what's the um, what's the plans uh, sort of going forward for the hospice after um, are, you, are there any plans after christmas
8: well there's there's always plans we're always yeah. busy um you know there's a lot going on um we've got our um jurassic coast walk um being launched so that's that's going to be an exciting opportunity mm-hmm. and of course we will be bringing back our midnight walk again that's obviously you know one of our well our flagship event that um, really gets the community Im- involved and which um we love we love to host and our supporters love to take part in so yeah we'll, we'll be bringing that back as well for next year um already getting the ball rolling on that one um, even though obviously it seems mad to be talking about sort of summertime whilst we're on christmas that that's just how it is in the fundraising world so
0: yeah always looking ahead. Um, de- i have to say i'm delighted that the christmas wrapping station is coming back because i am hopeless at wrapping <laughs> Yeah, well, we
8: were, you know, heartbroken to uh, have to cancel it last year after, you know, we put such a lot of effort um, into it, really hoping that it would take place. But obviously, um, it didn't quite pan out that way, sadly. But this year, we're definitely full steam ahead and really looking forward to engaging with our supporters in the community around the Christmas time again this year.
1: Olivia Mayhew in conversation there with Paul Tolmy. As a reminder, there's a Tree of Light service at the Copthorne Effingham Hotel from 3.30pm today and then again on Thursday, the 15th of December in the main hall at Oxford School from 6.30pm. To book your space, visit stch.org.uk forward slash tree of light 22. That's stch.org.uk forward slash tree of light 22. Or you can call 01293 447361. That's 01293 Double four seven three six one. The Copthorne service will also be recorded and uploaded to the website on Friday the 16th of December if you'd prefer to watch online. The website also contains details on other Tree of Light services and fundraising initiatives that the charity are running this festive season. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on MeridianFM.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.